we're taking a look at our core values. And what we believe what we value matters, right? What we value allows us to do uh, what God has called us to do as our church. Uh, our mission as a church is to help people pursue God. And so all of the values uh, that we have been going through uh, really allow us and empower us to fulfill this mission of helping people pursue God. Uh, so just to give you a quick recap of where we've been up to this point, uh, the first week, our first core value, which we believe is a very important one, uh, is that we honor God, or we look to God and His Word in all that we do. Uh, we believe that God's Word is our standard for truth. Uh, we believe that the Bible is living and it's active and God uses it to teach us, to correct us, uh, to help us in life. And so everything that we do is centered around the truth of God's Word. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to grab one um, and you can start digging into God's Word and have it change your life today. So knowing that God's word is important to us as a church, we then are able to see some of these other core values that we pull out of God's word. In week two, we talked about healthy relationships. Uh, one thing that we do is we value healthy relationships. Uh, how many of you know that relationships can be difficult, right? Everyone should raise their hand. That's softball, all of us. Yep. Especially if you're friends with me. I'm very dramatic. You can ask some people that know me. A lot of drama goes on in my life. Uh, but, but relationships are super important. God created us to be in relationship with other people. And we thrive in relationship, not only with God, but with other people. And so we have to work hard uh, to really have authentic imperfect and transparent relationships. So we talked about that week two. And then last week we talked about sacrifice. We give up things that we love. Maybe it's uh, things that we think church should be like or some of our opinions and our preferences uh, for things that we love more. And we believe uh, what we love most here at Alpine Church is to be uh, you know, on mission with God, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and so before we do that, why don't we pray one more time together and ask God just to speak to our hearts. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. And we are here for you. We're here to elevate you and your name and your word today. God, would you speak to each and every one of us individually, God, um, on how you want us to take the next step in our lives in pursuing you. God, would you begin to show us the value that you have in us as your people, that you love us so much that you stopped at nothing to be in relationship with us. And it doesn't just end there, God. You want to use us in a mighty way. Uh, again, God, speak to us ever so clearly in your word today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, before we get into our core value today, I just want to start by asking a question. Uh, how many of you have ever felt inadequate in life? Yeah, again, another, like most of us, right? Uh, I'm a, a, a dad of teenagers, and if anybody in here has teenagers, you know that you're inadequate in parenting, right? Uh, you may feel that way, but they'll also tell you often, right? <laughs> like, like we, we, we know that. And so uh, I know in my life, in, in my marriage, I've, I've felt some inadequacy uh, in the way that maybe I've led at home spiritually. And, and in 18 years, I felt like I may have failed in a lot of those areas, but by the grace of God, there's been love and grace and forgiveness. Uh, maybe it's at, at, at a workplace, or maybe it's uh, in your relationship with God, there's just this feeling of inadequacy. Uh, or maybe it's that you have been asked to do something that you didn't think that you were qualified for, right? Maybe think about this at work. You know, someone asks you to do a job that you didn't go to school for, right? Has that ever happened to you? Like, wait, I'm, uh, this is above my pay grade, right? <laughs> this isn't in my expertise. Uh, I'm not qualified for this kind of work. Uh, maybe it's something that's happened in your life that, that, that you feel like, man, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I, I don't know that I'm prepared for this financially, uh, I didn't know that I was going to have to go through this part of life, or maybe it's this relationship problem or this uh, addiction problem, and like, am I really equipped to be able to kind of handle these things, God? 
And I think for most of us, when we come to this next category in life, we, we all feel underqualified, and that's in our faith. It's in our relationship with, with God, right? Do I know enough about God's Word? You know, do I spend enough time in God's Word? Am I, you know, dedicated to prayer and, you know, some of these spiritual disciplines? Like, could God really use me? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm too young or I'm, I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I don't know all the right ways. I mean, you want me to tell my friends or my coworkers about Jesus? Well, I, I don't even really know all of the answers. And so what happens is, is we get stuck in this fear of being inadequate or not feeling qualified to be used by God. And I think Many of us, if not all of us, have felt that way some, in some way, shape, or form in our life. And, you know, I don't think that we're alone. You know, if you open up God's Word, story after story, uh, really individual after individual, have all battled with this kind of uh, insecurity. I mean, I think God has called some major people in the Bible, and we read of stories like Moses. You guys know Moses, right? Moses was a pretty big deal. You know, God used him to lead his people. And do you know how many times Moses told God, his plan was wrong. <laughs> like, God, you're calling me to serve you, but I'm not equipped for that. I'm, I'm not qualified for that. I, I have a speech problem. God, are you sure you've picked the right person, right? We do this all the time, don't we? God, are you sure you want to use me? I, I'm not qualified for that. Uh, I, I think of uh, one of my favorite stories is the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I was too, I'm too young. God, I'm too young, <laughs> I'm inexperienced, young person in here, man, I'm too young to tell my, I gotta live life, you know? You want me to rock the boat in my relationships and tell people at school about Jesus? You're crazy. I'm just gonna kind of live my own life. I'm not qualified to do that. You know, I, I think of uh, King David, right? King David, another guy who, who must have felt at some point his failure disqualified him, but God still used him. And when Jesus came from heaven to earth to, to be with his people and to point us back to God, did he choose the qualified? <laughs> I mean, he choose, chose fishermen, right? Now, if you're a fisherman in here, no, no offense. But these weren't like the, the top, top guys that you would think that Jesus was going to pick to lead his movement. They were underqualified. They were hard workers. They were laborers. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to spend time with, with those people and here's what I want us to, to understand today. You see, God doesn't just call the qualified. In fact, I believe it's just the opposite. God qualifies those he has called. And so what we need to understand is it's, it doesn't matter how good we can talk or the things that we can say or how, uh, you know, how wealthy we are or what kind of position we hold or how extroverted we are versus introverted. What we need to understand that none of it is possible without God. And so when we're going to look at this core value today, uh, we're going to see that being on mission with God means something very powerful in our life. And so that's actually our, our next core value. It's actually core value number five. We're going to look at core value uh, number three at the end. Uh, we've kind of shifted around based on our teaching. But core value number five is this, is that we are on mission with Jesus, we are on mission with Jesus. You individual, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are on mission with Jesus. If you call Alpine Church your home, we unashamedly believe that we are called and are on mission with Jesus. And so this core value, what this embodies is that we need to understand that it's not about how gifted we are. It's not about uh, the way we communicate. It's only about willing to be obedient to the call to be on mission 
with Jesus because, you see, God calls us and he qualifies those that he has called. And so what does this mean? What does this core value mean? We're on mission with Jesus. Well, today we're going to kind of break this down a little bit and we're going to look at uh, three things that I think will help apply this to our lives, not only as a church but us individually. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, uh, the first thing that I want us to see is this, is that we exist to make disciples because Jesus said so. We exist, every single one of us in this room exist to make disciples or to point other people to Jesus because he said so. Now listen, uh, you might be in this room investigating. Like you, you've, This is the first time you've ever come to church and you're saying, well, wait, I'm just checking this thing out, right? You're, but you're telling me God is calling me to do something? I would say yes, he is. He is. He's called every single one of us to point people to him. Not only ourselves individually, but also to point other people to him. Have you ever uh, kind of gone through life and just thought, man, what's, what's the point of life? Have you ever felt that way? Like, I mean, you kind of get into this autopilot way of doing things, you know, like you wake up, some of you it's very early, those of us who like to sleep in a little bit, you kind of push the limit a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe you're going through the motions where you, you have the cup of coffee and, and then you, you head to school or, or you head to work and then you get to work and you're so knee deep in emails and by the end of it you're like, this job sucks, right? Like what the heck's going on? Or you're in school and you're like, man, this homework sucks, right? You know, all these things and you're like, is this ever going to end? Like what's the purpose here? You know, and I've, I've thought about in my, my own life, like, man, wouldn't it just be so awesome if Jesus would just come back and take us all to glory, right? I want to be in the presence of God, but sometimes I want to be in the presence of God a lot faster than things are really happening right here, because we're just getting into the, the, the routine, in the, in the motion of doing things. Well, here, here's what I want you to know, and this is the answer. This is a f- free Chris Duran version, but I think we can pull this out of the Bible. But the answer to, to why we exist in life We exist in life, you and me, we exist in this life to bring glory to God. And that's, that's all throughout God's word. God created us so that we, would point people, that we would point ourselves to him, that we would glorify him. He is God in heaven and he created us to be in relationship with him so that we could elevate him in our own lives, but also pointing other people to Jesus. And so what we see here is helping people pursue God or being on mission with Jesus is a sign of obedience that we have to the Great Commission. And so how do we bring God glory? Well, the first thing that we see in Isaiah, I mean, this, again, all, all throughout the Bible, um, you can advance with me. Isaiah chapter 43, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have what made them, I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. And so what we see is that God created us for his glory. He created us so that we could glorify him in everything that we do. And so what does that mean? Well, we read about it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. The Apostle Paul says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, eating and drinking is kind of important, but whatever you do, we do it all for what? For the glory of God. And you see, we exist to bring glory to the one who created heaven and earth. We created to be, or we were created to be in relationship with him. And then, one of the ways, the number one ways that we bring glory is that we point other people to him. You know, uh, if you remember, one of the, the things that, uh, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders, when Jesus came to do his ministry here on earth, they were always trying to capture him and, and to try to sway him and get him to lie, right? And one of the things they said to him, well, what, what's the most important thing? What's the, the greatest commandment of all time? 
And they knew what that was because that was in God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 6. God gave this prayer to his people. And, and Jesus answered that by repeating the Shema. He said, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Everything that you are should honor and glorify God. That's the most important thing. But then Jesus does something. He does something very important. You know what he says? He says, but then you should what? Love others as yourself. And so Jesus says, yes, it's so important that we grow in our relationship and our faith with God, but it doesn't just stop there. There is an important part that we're missing is that we need to love others as ourselves. Now, how many of us, if you're like me, you do the love yourself part really well? I mean, again, I mean, I'm giving you guys softballs here. Everybody should raise their hand on literally every question I ask. Right? We do that part so well, don't we? Oh, when it comes to loving myself, easy peasy, man. Like, I can do that. I, I go to work. I want to make money. I want to provide for my kids. I want a nice house. I, I want a car, a nice car. I mean, at least a dependable car, right? I want something like that. I want to go on fun vacations. I want to take my kids and do fun things. Like, and then we throw that on top of all the other things that we really do take care of ourselves. We eat. We feed ourselves, right? We, we drink. We bathe, we brush our teeth, uh, mostly every day. If you're like my teenage son, it's every third day, right? And you guys are like, I know, I'm a, a parent, it's stinky, I get it, right? But we care enough about ourselves to take care of ourselves. But when it comes to this command that we're to love other people, it's like, well, wait a minute, right? Like, this is where it gets a little hairy for me. Relationships are weird. Uh, most people are just selfish. I'm kind of doing my own thing. Like, like again, the, the, the me, me part, that's really good. But then you want me to love other people? Like, that is crazy. And the question is, is this optional? Well, I would say no. It's not optional. In fact, it's a command. Look at what we read in Matthew chapter 28. In verses 18 through 20, uh, many of you know this passage. This is a passage called the Great Commission. And this was right before Jesus was ready to ascend to heaven. And this was really some of the last words that he gave to his followers, his closest followers. And really these are some of the last words that we can see as his followers if we've read in God's word. He says this, Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What he was saying is that I'm God. And you need to listen to me. And what I'm telling you right now is a command. I'm commissioning you. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, go. Everyone say go. Good, that's pretty good. It's noon, but everyone say go. There we go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And he says this, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I, I highlighted this first passage of scripture here, if you want to go to the next slide, because uh, here's what I want us to understand. I, I, this is what I love about scripture. There's, it's very, it points to the truth, right? It's not like this kind of gray area kind of thing, but it says very clearly to go. Now, what I want you to understand is Jesus doesn't say, listen, if you feel qualified, go. He doesn't say, oh, you're an introvert, uh, you're not qualified. Oh, you're an extrovert, yep, you're going to talk to people, go. He doesn't say, oh, you have this position or, or you know this much about me or that you've memorized all 63 books of the Bible in order, like that's really cool, uh, now go. No, he doesn't say that. Do you know what he says? He just says, go. He just says, go. He says, listen, part of 
bringing glory to me, number one is to love me. Yes, we should grow. We should grow in our relationship with God. We should come to church and we should uh, uh, really kind of take the next level in our pursuit of God. We should find out what God, what God uh, says in his word, how it applies to our life. It should change us. But then, very clearly, it doesn't say just stop there. It says, no, we are called, we are commanded, we are commissioned to go and to make disciples. And so this isn't an option that we have. This is God saying, listen, I am calling you, and who I am calling, I qualify. And so when we come to this position of, well, like, wait a minute, God, you're obviously calling someone else because I'm not that guy. Well, God says, no, you actually are that guy or that gal. You know, young person who is afraid to stand up for what you believe in school, I have called you to change the world. I've called you to be the next generation to tell people the truth. For those of us at work who people are saying, man, there's just something different about that person. If we ignore the call of God to speak to that person, uh, we're missing it. You see, I I think what happens is, is we do this me part really, really, really well, but we miss out on the command that God says, go. You see, there's this myth that spiritual maturity means that it's all inward, you know, that, that it's all about me and my relationship with God, and the more I'm spiritually fed, the, the stronger I am, and so I need to really focus on this thing. That's part of the equation. The second part of that equation is that we are called. We are called, we're commissioned, we are equipped, and we are empowered by God to be on mission with Him and to point as many people to Him as possible. That starts in your family, it starts in your marriage relationship, it starts uh, at work, all of, the, all of these areas at school. God calls us to be his hands and his feet to be on mission with him. You know, uh, the, the thing that really, I've been a part of Alpine Church for 19 years, it's almost 20 years uh, in a couple of weeks. My wife has actually been here from the very beginning. And one thing that has never changed about our church One thing, I mean, there have been a lot of things that have changed about our church if you guys have been around for a while. But the one thing that has never changed is this next point. We are passionate. What makes our heartbeat tick? Who we are as people, what we believe as a church, what we believe that God has called us to be is we are called to make full circle disciples. We are called to point people to Jesus. And we believe that Matthew chapter 28 gives us a picture of fulfilling this mission of helping people pursue God. So so what does helping uh, people pursue God mean? What does it mean to be a full circle follower? Well, if we look at Matthew 28, this is where we get the equation. Um, Really, it's kind of three things. It's trusting in Jesus, honoring God with our lives, and then it's about helping others, making disciples. You can go to the the next slide here. And so in Matthew chapter 28, we pull this out. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. That's the third part. But he says, baptize them. The first thing, the most important thing, if you don't get anything else out of this message today, if you don't get anything else out, out of God's word, here's what you need to understand. The most important thing in your life is what you believe about Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says what we believe about him determines where we're going to spend eternity. In Genesis chapter 3, just shortly after God created everything perfectly in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God created Adam and he said, Adam, this is all for you. And he made Eve and he said, you two in relationship, thriving in community, all of this is for you. It's perfect. All of this is for you to, to, to receive the goodness of me and for you to give glory back. This is for us The Bible says there was one thing that they weren't supposed to do, and what did they do? They did that one thing. And don't we often do that, right? We we go our own way. Really, that's the definition of sin. 
Sin is going our own way. It's God's standard, us going our own way. And so in Genesis chapter 3, they went their own way. And because they went their own way, the Bible says sin enters the world, and that separates us from God. There's literally a chasm between us and God because of sin. God's a holy God, and he cannot have sin. And so instead of God saying, listen, you filthy sinner, you you wretched people, he said, no, I'm going to make a plan. I created you for my glory, and that plan of glory means that we're in relationship, and people are in relationship with the Creator God. And so what he did is he, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven to earth. The Bible says that he was fully God and fully man, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived a life that we couldn't live. See, we, we went our own way. Jesus went the way of the Father the whole time. No sin in him. And because he did that, he was able to pay the payment. In Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 23, the wage of sin is not only separation, but it's death. It's spiritual death and physical death, eternally separated from God. And so Jesus came, defeats that sin. He, he goes to a cross, which was death for us. He dies, but he, because he's God, he raised a new life, and he does that so that we can be in relationship with him. The Bible very clearly says, if you believe in that, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, he is Lord, that he came and he did what he did and he defeated death, sin, in the grave. The Bible says that if we believe that and confess that we're sinners, that we need him, if we trust in Jesus, we are saved. Our eternity. Now, if we don't do that, the Bible says that we are separated from him. We'll spend an eternity apart from him in a place called hell. And so once we understand that the most important thing is trusting in Jesus, we then can move in where we get this baptizing part is that the, the natural response to accepting Christ is to publicly declare that, and we believe that that happens in baptism. But trusting in Jesus and what we believe about him is the most important thing. When we get that, we now have the ability to move into the second part of the circle, which is to honor God with our life. And so how do we honor God with our life? Well, very clearly, let's go all the way back to... Uh, core value number one. We look to God and His Word in everything that we do. And so when we look at our life and the things that we value, the things that are important to us, the things that we believe are the way to live life, we take those and we measure them up to God's standard, His directives for us, and if they don't line up, we're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's God's Word. And so God, what His Word does to us is it gives us a standard of living. Anybody know what cliff notes are, high schoolers in here? Yeah, you know what cliff we, we look at those cliff notes, and we're like, sweet, and I know the book now, right? Well, you should read all of the Bible. But it's, it's God's directive for us. I mean, if we want to find out what pleases God, how to live our life, when we have questions, we shouldn't go to the world, we shouldn't go to our friends, we shouldn't go to culture. What we need to do is we need to go to God's word that was spoken by him, through him, through his people, and, and it gives us life. It corrects us, it teaches us, it shows us. And when we apply this thing to our lives, everything changes. And then we can live to honor God. And you see, this is where 99.99% of us, including myself, get stuck. Because we think, yes, awesome, Jesus, you did that for me. I want to serve that kind of God, the same God who defeated death, wonder-working power, the same God that comes to this earth and says, listen, regardless of what you've done, I love you and I care about you. I'm not going to point fingers at you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to get on board with that kind of God. He loves me that much that he would die for me. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And then we say, naturally, man, now I just want to live to figure out how to honor him. I'm going to open up his word and spend time with him. I'm going to surround myself with people that will challenge me to do the same thing. Like, yes, absolutely. But wait a minute, you want me to tell people about Jesus? 
Nope. Not qualified for that. Wait, you want me to, to stand up in the midst of a friendship where most people in my school probably believe a lot different than me? You want me to stand up for, for the truth without rocking the boat? Hey, I, I can be good without doing that. I can just kind of go my own way and still love Jesus and honor God, right? Oh, you want me to do what at work? Or, hey, you want me to start doing what at home? Like, all of these things. And we're like, no, we're not qualified for that. I'm inadequate. There's no way God could use someone like me, someone who's broken, who has, in 18 years of marriage, failed more times than I've succeeded, who in, uh, how old is my son? 15 years of my son, I have failed more times than I have succeeded. And wait, you want me to start doing what? Telling them about Jesus? Like, I don't even, in every part of my life... I struggle with honoring God. And so we just stop. And you see, what happens is is the enemy wins there. He wins there. And he says, that's exactly where I want you. You know what? It's good. The good God in you part, that's great. But when you start telling other people about it, uh uh-oh. He's good with us feeling unqualified. He's filled with us. He's good with us feeling like we're, we're not good enough. But listen, we are on mission with Jesus. And so part of spiritual maturity, the equation is yes, very important. Trust in Jesus. Honor God. You should be a part of a church that you're challenged and that when you read God's word, you're encouraged to do that. You should grow. And if you're not growing here, please come talk to me. We need to change some things. But it doesn't just stop there. We are then called, we are then commissioned to make disciples to help people pursue God. We get stuck here. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. I'm afraid. I'm not a good communicator. Fill in the blank. My failure is too big. All of the excuses that we come up with and why we shouldn't tell people about the love and mercy that we live in every single day. We're called and commissioned by God to do that. Here's the last point I want us to see today. Uh, It's probably two slides ahead. Every single believer is qualified to make disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, regardless of your age, of your experience, of how much you know God's word, of how, much, uh, how many times you've struggled, you are equipped, qualified, and called by God to make disciples. There's no excuse. There just isn't an excuse. And here's what I want you to know. What I want you to know is that Jesus... God himself, the same God who defeated sin, death, and the grave, the same God who rose to new life, the same God who performed miracle after miracle after miracle is the same God that will go with us in everything. Remember, what we read in uh, Matthew chapter 28, he says all of these things. Here's the pathway. I want you to do this. I want you to go, and, and I want you to baptize them. I want you to teach them my commands. I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach people how to follow me. And then he says this at the very end, because I can guarantee you, fishermen and and tax collectors and all these guys that that Jesus was talking to were thinking, wait, what? You want me to do what? He says, listen, here's what I want you to understand. I'm not saying good luck. No, what I'm saying is I'm going to, and this is the last part of Matthew chapter 28 on the next slide. He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of age. Man, I begin to think of all of the times where I feel fearful and inadequate in my life. I'll humbly tell you, every time I get up on stage, whatever stage I'm at, I feel underqualified. I do. I really do. And there's fear and there's doubt. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? But God is with me. 
It's the same for you in your sphere of influence. Listen, it's not just about ministry in this church. You know that the role of the church is to equip the saints. The saints are our followers of Christ to do the work of the ministry. It is then your responsibility to live your life to point people to Jesus. Now, does this mean that you grab that cross and put it on your back in high school and you stand up on a table and you look weird? No, not necessarily, unless God's called you to do that. Chances are he hasn't, but if he does, listen to him. No, do you know what this means? This just means that when someone sees something different in you, that you live a different way, that you stand up in the midst of adversity, that when God says, hey, I want you to say something to this person, that you do it. When someone says, hey, can I use your notes? You know, I, I would rather not do that. I don't think that's honest. You know, hey, or that moment is like, what church do you go to? Well, I, I don't really go to church, but you go to Alpine Church. You know, it's at work when you're standing up in the midst of the gossip and the conversation where it's like, listen, that's not what, we, that's not what I do. Excuse me. It's, it's just like, what are we doing in life to heed the call of God to then point people back to Jesus? But you see, I think what happens is we just get comfortable we just go about doing things that are easy. And you say, well, this is great. I'm reading this passage, but, but still, I'm still afraid. Well, then you have to go back to God's word. Let's go to the next slide, Acts chapter 1-8. This was, again, literally right before Jesus ascended to heaven. He said, I, but my power will be upon you. I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit to go with you, and then you will be my mouthpiece Again, this is part of that filling the commission to the end of the ages. Yeah, but that's, that's great, but I'm still afraid. I'm, I'm still feeling underqualified. What does that mean? Well, you have to continue to go back to God's word. Look at 2 Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Instead, what he has given us a spirit of is of power and of love and of self-discipline. And when we have those things, when we believe that God's called us and that he's living in us and working in us and challenging us, we then are not ashamed or afraid to tell people about our Lord. You see, but we get stuck. Here's what I want you to know. All of the reasons why you feel inadequate, the, the lies of the enemy that he's telling you, God wants you to know that he has qual- called you. He has qualified you. He wants to use you in a way that you could never even begin to imagine your, in yourself. He loves you and me so much that he wants to use us to point people to bring him glory. What about... All of the mistakes that I've made, none of those matter because you know what? Our biggest mistakes can be God's biggest victory and our best testimony. It's just the way God works. And so are we willing to say, listen, this isn't just about me and God, but this is about me and God and God working through me. And so would he give me favor and blessing and power and wisdom and boldness? And when I begin to pray big prayers like, God, would you use me? God, would you open up the door for the conversation? Would I walk boldly in it? God, would you help me to stand up in the midst of adversity? God, when the enemy lies to me and tells me that I'm a failure, would you show me that you've called me to something different? God, when the enemy says you have already failed in your marriage, it's not worth it. She's not going to believe you or he's not going to believe you. God, that's not true. Would you empower me? Would you give me the words? Whatever it is in your life, would you see that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? And when he lives in you, nothing with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, we're just humbled that you, God, want to to be, number one, in relationship with us, but then that that you would use us to, to point people to you, broken people, God. Like, God, you you could do all of this on your own, but instead what you do is you say, I love you and I choose you. 
And so, God, there's this feeling of, man, the God of heaven and of earth wants to use me, and we see value. We see that you love us and that you value us and that you care about us. And so, God, when we begin to do that, would you change our hearts? Would you change our mentality? Would you change the way we view the world? Would you change the way we view everything about us? God, as the enemy is going to continue to lie and deceive and to steal, kill, and destroy our relationships and all of these things, Lord, would you help us to boldly walk in the presence of, of the Holy Spirit? Will we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to you, Lord Jesus, in pointing people to you? We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.